Hi, everyone. Welcome to today's episode of Yes and No, Challenging Assumptions About People and Work. This is a collaboration between myself, Kim Lear, and Steve Hunt. And my background is in sociological research, and Steve Hunt is a wonderful industrial organizational psychologist, and we are discussing controversial topics that reflect different beliefs about work and employees. We draw on stories gained from working with thousands of companies combined with knowledge of empirical, social, and psychological research, and we debate what's true and what's fiction when it comes to the changing nature of work, employees, and society. Our little disclaimer here is that uh, in an effort to look at these topics from every angle, we may say things that we, in fact, do not agree with at all. And so just listen until the end of the episode so that we can really crystallize our own ideas on the issues. Thanks for joining us. Thanks. So the big question today, Kim, um, should companies be involved in politics? Mm. Yes or no? <laughs> well, do you want? Why don't you kick this one off? All right, I'll take the yes. We always like take to start yes. with the yes, yes. and then Let's we'll start with yes. Yeah, well, actually, the yes one is really easy because yes, they've always been involved in politics. This idea that companies aren't political is ridiculous. What is lobbying for lower taxes if not political? <laughs> right. You know, you know, every company is lobbying for different things that affect their financial outcomes and. You know, nobody's ever questioned that, you know. Um, what has happened is, and this is interesting to talk about, that companies now, though, are starting to take more of a stance on things that aren't necessarily directly tied to their, quote, bottom line. And it's weird why why people get upset about this. I mean, for example, like an oil and gas company could lobby to open up a natural area for, you know, drilling and no one would complain. They go, of course they're going to do that. But if another company that isn't in oil and gas maybe just says, hey, we don't think that we should have environmental protection, somehow that's political just because you can't directly tie your bottom line and there's okay politics and not okay politics. you know. So I think that's the more interesting thing. But the, the truth is that, yes, companies have always been involved in politics. The other big thing that related to it too, is the kind of politics they're getting involved in, which is there was a um, this thing called the... I can't remember what it's called, whatever, we'll put it in the show notes. But the CEOs from the 181 of America's largest companies a few years ago uh, that had defined the, the, the business roundtable oh, decision. The business yes. roundtable. That's it. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Um, they had this big thing, and much, a lot of it was made in the media about it. It used to be they defined the purpose of an organization is to maximize shareholder return. And then they changed it and they said, it's not just to maximize return, it's also to deliver value to customers, employees, deal fairly with suppliers and support the communities in which they operate, which suddenly expanded their purview into a whole bunch of different areas. And so if a company is truly endorsing that, then yeah, the politics is about a lot more than making money. Yeah. Uh, just uh, an interesting Side note to that is that at the time when that business roundtable decision was made and this like whole thing came out with all these signatures, I was actually helping to run these roundtables with um, members of boards of directors from Fortune 500 companies. And many of these CEOs signed that document without getting permission from their boards where, the, you know, the board's responsibility is really that fiduciary aspect. And so they were like, no, they were like, they were like, wait a minute, we never signed on to like care at all for our stakeholders. So there was even kind of an interesting thing that happened between these executive teams and boards of directors with that decision of like, 
well, now what does this mean? Well, you also understand why they don't, the way they make board meetings quiet. Can you imagine being the person arguing, <laughs> no, we shouldn't care about our communities? I know. <laughs> I know. I know. But it, it does get into this issue of, you know, what is the purpose of an organization? And I think that where people do have different views about, you know, the purpose of an organization is to make money. And what they clearly said is, no, the purpose of an organization is to do more than just make money. Right. And, and then you can argue that from a sustainability standpoint, thriving businesses over the long term depend on thriving societies and communities. Exactly. And so, you know, things like taking a stance on environmental sustainability, on education of the workforce, on health care, these things have an impact on companies because you can't differentiate the employees in the company from the world outside. The experience we have at work is influencing the experience that we have outside work. Yeah. So the other reason that I would get into this about why companies should absolutely be involved in politics. I remember when the George Floyd riots and things were happening and talking to a bunch of leaders of senior leaders of companies and they were one person had a great comment. They said, people are like, why are you taking a stance on this? And they said, um, this isn't about the community. Our employees and customers are the community. The community is us. You know, it's yeah. this this idea that you can split these two is completely artificial. We are one and the same, which I think is a much healthier way to think about the role of organizations in society. I think that is so true. We're always asking our employers to play a different role in our lives, you know, at, at different times. And so you, know, you look at, uh, you know, Todd Reisman's work or Bill Putnam's work around community and sense of belonging in American culture. And it's so easy to see that as a lot of the infrastructure for community formation started to deteriorate, there was more pressure on workplaces to become these bastions of belonging and community. And so you saw people fuse more of their personal identity to their employer. <laughs> and so it seems very obvious that, of course, employees would then have different expectations that their employer stood up for the things that they believed in as well. And so I think that really started to change the expectations from employees about what they wanted. And I think something that boards of directors are now really coming around to is that it does impact the bottom line, right? I mean, that's, and and when we get to the no, we'll talk about how sometimes negatively. And so there's, there's other issues there. But when I was doing um, a whole interview series on the Great Resignation and people who had changed jobs during the pandemic, and one of the questions in there was around like the straw that broke the camel's back, right? People stay in jobs they hate forever, and then there's always something that happens, and they're like, I'm out of here. I was shocked at how many people talked about George Floyd and the aftermath and the mishandling by their leaders. And these are people from all different ethnic backgrounds, from people all over the country. And one story that sticks out is that um, a very large company, they didn't say anything in the aftermath. They got pressure from their employees of like, you need to say something here. They sent an email out and they said, John Floyd, they, they got his name wrong. And, you know, the, the individual that I was interviewing was um, a, a young man who is white and lives in the Midwest. So this is, you know, and he was like, I just couldn't, like, I could not care about my employer anymore. Companies sort of 
stance on political issues does absolutely influence um, applicant attraction and engagement. Right. Now, again, you may have some people that are driven away, but that's part of a decision. I mean, a company that is commitment to a culture, even the industry that you're in, is you're going to attract some people and you're going to drive some people away. So to me, it's like, you know, there's nothing a company can do that is going to appeal to everyone. Right. right. Absolutely. At least, not if it's financially responsible. I <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. But the, um, you know, so I think, <clears throat> again, this idea that is, is this idea that this dichotomy between political and not political is just, it doesn't even exist. Yeah. And I think, I think a change to that of why it doesn't exist is because politics and morality have become impossible to untangle in our current environment. So I think that that component has changed the conversation. And also, I feel like a new generation has a different, potentially more sophisticated understanding of capitalism because in these focus groups, it's become very clear that young people do not see CEOs as some kind of moral stewards, but instead they find that it's actually easier to influence morality and justice through corporate activism than through traditional political outlets. I think that, yeah, I think that's a big issue that politics, in, at least in the United States, the political system has got so many issues that people are looking for more influence through corporations. Yeah. I would go back historically, though, too. I don't think it's that this has changed. If you go back, I think people don't realize this. If you go back on the history of work and the workers' rights movements in the early 20th century in the United States, where companies would get government to go in and literally kill union organizers. Right. You know, rally the National Guard to crush strikes. That's beyond political. That's controlling the government. That's not even lobbying the government. And for and, and it was this whole oh the communists whatever you because they would they label and they it's basically the communists workers, yeah you know, no totally yeah the workers <laughs> just didn't want to be killed on the job right, right? they were and, yeah. but there was this so you know politics and business it's a long that they've never been separate they've right. always been combined I think what's different is the kinds of political issues that companies are getting in now that okay. because we have. Thankfully, I mean, we always have more work to do in these areas, but we have good workers' rights and we have occupational health and safety and we have a lot of the just sort of blatantly exploitive things that used to exist um, before the workers' rights movement. Now you're getting companies that are moving into more societal changes that are, I guess, a little tied into moral stances. Like the biggest one is, you know, if companies gender equity is a big one and you know the if we go to the roe v wade is a good example i remember talking to a chro of a very large company and it's fun you talk to you talk to these business leaders they're so great because they're able to talk about highly political things in a way that you'd never get a sound bite that would make the company sound bad totally they're just so trained perfectly yes (laughs) so without ever saying roe v wade or anything like that you know but it was clear what she was talking about accessible health care accessible health and that's exactly how she worded it because she said i've I've heard it i know exactly how it's worded and she goes we are committed to women's equality and access and control and women's rights and when something happened that meant, you know, and she said 90% of our workforce is female and eight and 85% of our customer base is female in the yeah. industry that they're in. And she goes, our employees demanded that we take a stance on this. And we wanted to take a stance on this because, frankly, what was happening in society was going against our core values around inclusiveness and equity. It's such a, like... You even saying we wanted to do this is an important component here because sometimes I'll hear and and it just exists in the internet disgusting world, you know, where people are saying it's these young employees and this pressure and this and and 
we actually see that a lot of this activity comes from executive teams. And in the show notes, I'll put this new kind of working paper from the National Bureau of Economic Research, where they talk about the increasing polarization of American executive teams. And so even just between 2009 and 2020, executive teams are very politically homogenous now. And so a lot of the involvement is coming from more activist C-suite teams. Yeah, I agree. This political thing is not being driven by like externals. It's a lot of the companies inside and they, yeah. they have a strong commitment. And it's I think it's tied to both their own personal values, but also it is the economic values. Going back to there's quite a lot of research that shows that if you have a more inclusive, diverse culture and a lot of these political things get into diversity and equity, um, you know, you have a stronger workforce. Yeah. And so they're committed to that. And then when you get into environmental things, particularly companies that are very tied to the environment, they're aware of this change. And they're like, this is affecting us. Climate change is not a myth to these companies. It's right. affecting their bottom line. Totally. And they're very aware of it. So I think that it's this idea that's being driven by an outsider. No, it's usually, I agree with you, it's by the leadership itself. Yeah. The um, But you do get into a point, which I think takes us into the no realm, mm -hmm. which is the polarization of executive boards and mm -hmm. even polarization within employee bases. Do you want to, do you want to start off on the reasons why companies should not be involved in politics? Yeah. Um, I'll start off with Steve's favorite piece that I put into my notes for the podcast, which is uh, a quote from Voltaire that I found where uh, Voltaire wrote a note to French compatriots and I'll just read what he wrote and we can kind of, you know, discuss its meaning. But he said, go into the London Stock Exchange, a more respectable place than many a court, and you will see representatives from all nations gathered together for the utility of men. Here, Jew, Mohammed, and Christian deal with each other as though they were all of the same faith, and only apply the word infidel to people who go bankrupt. Here, the Presbyterian trusts the Anabaptist, and the Angelican accepts a promise from the Quaker. On leaving these peaceful and free assemblies, some go to the synagogue and others for a drink. This one goes to be baptized in a great bath in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. That one has his son's foreskin cut and has some Hebrew words he doesn't understand mumbled over the child. Others go to their church and await the inspiration of God with their hats on, and everybody is happy. Man, I have to say, first, Kim, when Kim shared this with me, I was like, oh my gosh, she's so awesome. <laughs> But and, and just for those of you who don't know Voltaire, he was a French philosopher yeah. um, from the 18th century. And Steve is judging you if you do not know him. <laughs> well, I'm not judging you, but you should know him. You should know him. Um, no, he's a, you know, but I think that's interesting because that, that point that you make, which is um, if the only political value that companies focus on is money, and again, we say that is a political value, but it is a political value, then it it creates this safe space for people to come together around diverse areas. And I think that you absolutely, when you come, some companies start to become political, it really puts pressure on people to, in some cases, go against things that go against their faith. I mean, if you're a company that, you know, um, does or does not stay open on Sabbaths or something like that, or does not recognize that. And, and it's, and, and it creates conflict for people, even if, you know, legally they can still follow their faith. Uh, they feel like it's not expected. It, it probably hurts their careers because you're not conforming with the political values and views of the company. And I think that's, that's a real concern. 
and it also plays out in your customer base too. Right. right. You're going you're going to alienate people, but I think that's a yeah a, a question of like is if a company takes a strong political stance, what's their attitude of inclusion of people that don't share their political views? Are they still allowed to work there? Yeah, I know, and I think, and again, this is interesting because we are. Just like I said in the opening, sometimes we may say things that we kind of agree with or maybe don't, but something that has been on my mind is that workplaces were essentially our last bastion of ideological diversity. And so it is something that I think about of like, what is the ending of this? Like, what you know what I mean? Do, do we end up having workplaces where every person thinks the same and then in the marketplaces is there going to be like a I mean we already see there's like a fried chicken place for Republicans and a fried chicken place (laughs) for Democrats like are we taking that farther is there going to be like a you know planes that Republicans go on and planes that Democrats it's just you know how far do do we do we bring this and so it's um it's something that I think about and I I also think about the very quick nature the kind of the extreme sense of urgency that we see around these issues and um just for perspective we're recording this the day after adidas dropped kanye west now known as Ye, um and that was kind of an interesting thing because yesterday i also happened to be with um a, a person who is works at adidas and she was saying like we what felt like a really long time for us to respond we had the amount of legal work that had to be done. We had lawyers literally staying up all night because before we made any type of concrete declaration, every single thing needed, every T needed to be crossed, every I needed to be dotted. And so it's also kind of like, where do we give that little bit benefit of the doubt that like people are are trying to do the right thing, but there's also business realities to the decisions that are made. Well, yeah, and I think that that getting into the realities too, political too, as you're pointing that, that when companies take political stances, they're going to alienate certain parts of their customer base. They may put themselves unfavorably in the dominant political structure. Oh, you've taken a liberal stance, so the conservatives don't want you taking a service stance. So, you know, they, they could be, you know, have regulations go against them, you know, on the financial side. And then suddenly you're saying, okay, well, there's a lot of people that work for companies and shareholders that they work for these companies, first and foremost, to be able to provide for their families and earn a living. And if a company takes strong political stances to the point that it starts hurting its financial performance, is that fair for the shareholders and employees that are working there for financial reasons? Like if I invest stock in a company, you know, I put my retirement savings into a company Am I doing that because I support its politics or am I doing it because I believe it's going to have a financial return? Probably more the financial return. <laughs> so, um, you know, yeah, you can. I mean, you obviously you can pick stocks based on ethics and all that, but that's not the way a lot of people make investments. Right. And um, they're sort of assuming companies are going to focus on financial first and foremost. And as you're starting to water that down financial you could make an argument that's really unfair to employees who may end up losing their livelihood because a company took a political stance to say, we're no longer going to operate like in this city. Right. You know, or whatever. There's So what's the obligation of a company to the financial well-being of its shareholders and its employees? And those, those things are affected by political stances like that, which I think Adidas is a good example. I mean, personally, I'm 
think Adidas made the right choice. Agreed. But. Totally. Yes. No, no, no. I, I, I agreed. Uh, and that was why I wanted to speak to this person about it, because I'm like, what happened there? And, you know, but just that kind of understanding of the business side of things, I think, is, is worth it. And I think something that does make me kind of, uh, I think we've just learned a lot, even, you know, since, um, since George Floyd was killed and since there, you know, there the missteps or the leaders that really did a wonderful job handling that with their people. I think we've just learned a lot. And I remember um, doing a focus group with college students, kind of in that, in the aftermath of that moment. And one of them had said to me, the wheels kind of came off when Sparrow's Pizza and K Jewelers started trying to educate me about anti-racism. <laughs> and so I think we really have reached this logical place of like, you show up where you should show up. Just like you said, it's mm-hmm. like when when climate change is impacting your your business. I look at these California companies that just, the you know, they, they've taken a pretty progressive stance on climate change. And but and they also exist in an area filled with wildfires and all. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's of course that they're. So I think that understanding where should we show up, where does it make the most sense for us to really appear in a meaningful way, is is an ongoing learning experience. Well, think, yeah, and on this sort of the no, as we kind of wrapping up, I think the no concept is that. As you said, it, it, companies have always been involved in politics, so you can't say no, they're not at all because they've always. Right. But, but the point is, what politics should they be involved in? And I would say, being more narrow to your point, focusing the reason why they should focus on things that are close to their area of concern. There's a clear connection between what they do as a company and why they would be interested from a from a business perspective, not just from a social value. Is not just the you know, inclusiveness aspect of it, but also the impact of it. Yeah. I think, you know, this goes back to your polarization, that the way you have an impact on attitudes is you engage people who don't necessarily agree with you. You know, it's not just about rallying people, you know, speaking, preaching to the choir, as they say, it's going out and getting converts. Well, to get converts, you got to get them in the church. And, <laughs> you know, so how can you, and companies, as you, I think this is a great point, that Voltaire quote so good, bring people together who might not otherwise ever come together both as customers and as employees. So I'm reminded of years ago, a Sierra Club president was they were taking a, asked to take a Sierra Club was, should they take a stance on abortion rights? This was a long time ago. And yeah. I don't remember when specifically. I'm like, you Kim, you remember everything. You're like, so-and-so said this. I'm like, <laughs> I read this sometime somewhere. I only know about like one area. That's the thing. Like I don't, I don't know anything else. Maybe that's why my brain has, uh, room for this kind of stuff. <laughs> well, just for me, when I whenever I say something, it's in the show notes because it's not in my mo- memory. <laughs> but the um, but I the Sierra Club president was this big debate about should they have a stance on right to life and abortion, and people could kind of make a weak argument that it was entire to you know environmental population control, but that was a real weak, weaselly argument. You know, it was more like, well, if you're a liberal and you're supposed to have these views, you know, if you believe in the environment, then you're also supposed to believe in all these other things. You're supposed to do yoga and eat granola too, and you know, and his point was, he goes, this dilutes our message. He goes, there's Sierra Club members that are hunters. Hunters have a very strong environmental focus, often very, you know, tend to be maybe politically different from hikers. I, I don't know, but I guess. Mm-hmm. But his point was, it dilutes the power of our message. Our impact, we are about environmental conservation and we need to focus on that and bring people together to agree on that being our cause. 
I think that same thing very much true with companies is to say, take a stance on the causes that really, really matter that connect to you because you'll bring more people in, you'll have more influence. Better, better to focus on changing the world a few ways where you make real change than talk about everything and yeah. make little change. And I think that's a strong argument about the known, or at least not know you shouldn't be involved in politics, but know you should not be involved in certain kinds of politics. Yeah. I think that's great. I'll, I'll wrap my comments with kind of my landing point, which is that this has been an evolution for me, this whole conversation, because I have my own personal views. And I think when this whole kind of political, this like corporate activism thing really came into the forefront, I started studying it much more intensely during the Me Too movement when companies were very involved in that. And my my like gut reaction was like, yes, like this is the right thing to do. I, I love that companies are doing this. Um, and then it was, I mean, honestly, reading some of the Voltaire stuff, you know, being a little bit more you know, conscious of some of the historical pieces and that whole idea of like, where do we create some areas of ideological diversity and, and how can we foster those places so that we don't lose each other completely? And so my my ideas on this has have evolved where I think I went from those early stages when, when also I was younger. So, I, I you know, um, of being like, absolutely, you know, these companies should, should de- you know, and, and you got to be out there. And it's all about that moral stewardship to a little bit more of a, a strategic um, kind of stance on it. And also this idea that I've kind of that I think about as well is that when we do put CEOs, boards of directors, for-profit corporations in these seats of moral stewardship, it's worth remembering we did not elect these people. These people do not represent us. And are we sure that we want them representing our morals and steering the ship? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's really true. And it makes the larger issues. Do I wish we had a political system that worked better? Yeah, I mean, it's an, an amazing, made... amazing question. <laughs> yeah. Which you pointed <laughs> earlier, a lot of this rise in focus on corporations because how dysfunctional There's a vacuum. There's a complete is, vacuum. Yeah. Yep. I, I would say <clears throat> my thought is I do. It's funny. I, on this, it's yes and no. Yes, I think companies should be more actively involved in politics that really do affect their employee experience and their business models. Like, for example, education. Do you know, the companies, right now there's chronic labor shortages in the United States. One third of people in the United States have no formal education past high school. Yeah. And those people mainly is because they experience adverse childhood experiences. If you have any education past high school, you had opportunities other people did not get. Like maybe a stable place to live, maybe food every day, you know. there's, And so... This is a tragedy, and this is affecting companies. There are chronic labor shortages. Well, how do we solve this? The problem is that we don't have enough people. We're not fully utilizing all the people we have. This famous quote, who I don't know who said it. Maybe you do, Kim. <laughs> Let's try. <laughs> <laughs> that, you know, potential is equally distributed across society. Opportunity is not. Oh, yes. Yeah. Who is that? You have to stump. We'll have to figure it out and get that in the yeah, show notes. We'll get that in there. But, yeah. But that's absolutely true. And I think when you look at why is opportunity not, it's because there's not equal access to things like internet. There's not equal access to education. Well, healthcare, oh my goodness, it's just terrible. And I think companies should take a more political stance on that in the sense that it affects their employees. It affects them in a very real way. Mm-hmm. I think that they need to avoid taking stances on things just because it's popular. 
you know, and to say, no, they have to say like that Sierra Club president say, we're not saying that's not important, but that's not in our purview, our primary area of concern. We're going to focus on where we where things that either affect us significantly or we are really committed to affecting change. And and then then I think that it's about being consistent because <clears throat> I was at this great presentation where um I saw, I don't want to share the name of the companies because I never known these things if they would, if they would be okay sharing the name, but it's a big sportswear company and they own all these different branches of sportswear. And they came out very strongly about protecting the environment and not opening up a lot of um, Bureau of Land Management land, you know, to like development. And this was a very political topic at the time. And they said, look, we are an outdoor apparel company. And so this does affect our business, but also culturally, we're people that love the outdoors and it affects our lives. And they got a lot of flack from Mm -hmm. people about why are you taking this stance? And, you know, and and one thing that just cracked me up is they said, we knew when we did it, we were going to get a lot of hate mail. We accepted we were going to lose a certain proportion of our customer base, but we thought we'd gain it in other people. And we're like, we'll take that stance. But just to close on a hilarious story, she goes, we get this one email, though. She goes from one person who says, I've been a lifelong supporter of your brand. I've bought your brand all the time, you know, for all my hunting and fishing. And now I'm not, I'm never going to buy anything from you again. I'm going to buy it from this other brand. She goes, we bought that other brand like 15 years ago. We just didn't know. (laughs) We thought we we decided not to tell her. (laughs) That is, that is, what a sweet moment. (laughs) That's hilarious. So. Oh, that's, that's. That's perfect. And I'm I'm adding my one piece here just to make sure that it doesn't get like lost in the shuffle is that I do think that from, you know, just grant, given that we're doing this right after this big Adidas mm-hmm. thing is that obviously I always think that if, if there's, you know, dangerous hate speech and, you know, racism or anti, you know, any of these big things, obviously, I'm like, yes, people shouldn't be like, providing huge platforms for ideas or, or speech that, that are monumentally dangerous. But I think we're on the same page yeah. of looking at like, you know, what which hills are you willing to to die on and, and how do how do how are those chosen? How are those implemented? How do you move the needle in a meaningful way on the things that really matter to your employees, to your people? Well on that point too is I think companies also need to say there is a line you can cross in what you express in the public forum, particularly if you're a spokesperson of the company. So like Kanye West is a spokesperson of the company. I was you know, as talking to the CHRO of a very large sports organization that everyone would know. And he was saying that's one of the challenges there because our players, they're going to say what they're going to say, right? Right. And at what point do we have to say what you said is not okay? And there have been cases where they've done that, where they're like, no, you know, and there's a big debate about it. But I think part of that is, you know, if you're true to your internal cultural values of equity, inclusion, respect, Part of that is not being poli- you're not being political. You're saying this isn't about politics. This is about we believe in these values, and by what you're saying shows you don't share our values. And at a certain point, you do cross a line. Otherwise, our values are meaningless. Yeah. So I think that's, but I don't know if that's political. That might get into another topic when I talk about whole selves and work. I right. Know, I, right. Which I think says. is our is our next one. <laughs> so that that is a perfect entree into episode three. Um, well, thank you all again for joining us. Um, yeah, and I, you know, one thing I will say on this political one to everyone is, no matter what your politics are, vote. Yes, perfect way to end. Thank you all for joining us, and we'll see you next time.